You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We suck. We absolutely suck. We're the worst. We should stop talking about baseball. Uh, and good night. And good night. But the thing is, we've been pretty spot on about everything else. But the Red Sox fans. The Red Sox fans. God, and you know what? Let them have their time in the sun. They freaking deserve it. They really do. They won. They won a series. Good for you, Red Sox. You're going to the ALCS. Is that what you want to fucking hear? You're going to the ALCS. That's exactly what they want to hear. I mean, I want to hear that in a couple of days as a White Sox fan. You wanted to hear it too, but you guys didn't get there. Listen, this is the Just Baseball Show, and today is Tuesday, October 12th. We're going to get into what should have been a a four-game day of chaos, and we just didn't get it because of the rainout, but we've got three going today. We had three yesterday. We'll talk about Brewers-Braves. We'll talk about Dodgers-Giants. We record as it's scoreless in the fourth inning. I've got a bone to pick with the White Sox pitching management, especially yes, because Tony LaRusso was supposed to be the guy to handle that better than anybody else. Not your else. guy. No, not my guy. <laughs> Rick, Rent- Rick Renteria is my manager. Rick Renteria. Uh, yeah, he's my guy, man. Red Sox-Rays is just so fresh. We are about five minutes off of watching that Kike walk-off sack fly. We're also going to give you a rundown of our 10 favorite stats from this year. It's the regular season. So So much fun. Right. If you're a fan of the non-playoff teams, stick around. You might have an Easter egg in here at some point. Um, We went about it. He did hitters. I did pitchers. uh, And we went about it. Just what stood out? What was unique? Not necessarily the best stats, but things that caught your eye, right? And I've I've got some weird ones. I've got some weird ones, too. I have some ones that maybe everyone knows, but they don't know the historical context of it. And then I have some others for players that I saw, like a certain player's ground ball rate set new records, certain hard hit rates crushed old records yeah so those i found pretty interesting i wouldn't call them the top 10 deepest stats we could find but just 10 stats that really stood out to us that we feel tell a story about the 2021 regular season yeah so we've got a legit show before we get into brewers braves which led off this monday slate of three just one overarching thought on red sox rays for me i don't know it's like 
I understand you don't want to say that computers can win championships and you got to spend money to win championships, but I just don't know how much of a knock on the Rays this series is as much as the Red Sox pulling, pulling games three and four out of their ass. Seriously. I mean, it's a testament to the Red Sox. Yeah. If you think about it, it's, you got to give credit to a team that plays loose and free and plays for each other. And this team has been there before this team knows how to win. They have a winning manager. And I feel like we didn't kind of give them credit for that. We didn't give the Rays, or we gave the Rays too much credit for been there, done that when they haven't really been there, done that. And how that relates. Remember when I was talking about the Yankees, how I feel like they felt like they had earned something when they haven't won since 2009, it almost felt like we gave the Rays, you know, that bump when they hadn't earned it. And you know what? Maybe we should have looked back and thought, you know, this Red Sox team plays together. They shouldn't have even been there in the first place. And that's a reason why they're here. And I feel like we gave the Giants that praise, but we didn't really give it to the Red Sox because we didn't really believe. But I, I'd like to talk about our X factors for a second. Yeah. Because I had Brandon Lau as my X factor for the Rays in this series. He had eight home runs and a 200 WRC plus in the 30 days leading up to the playoffs. He went hitless in this series. Hitless. 0 for 17, I think it was, with eight or nine strikeouts. He was hitting third in that lineup for a reason. The Rays lineup just didn't look the same. Now, going to my X factors about the Red Sox, Nick Pavetta and Tanner Houck. Yeah. Those guys... They had to bridge the gap in this bullpen. Garrett Whitlock with two innings, two strong innings. But it was Tanner Houck and it was Nick Pavetta. I know Houck didn't actually have that amazing of a series, but we do remember the five innings of strong bullpen work from Nick Pavetta. Those are the X factors and Nick Pavetta and Houck came through and Lau did the absolute opposite of that. Hulk had a great series. Hulk had, you know, a, a stretch of four perfect innings. I want to say, was that game two in St. I guess I, I'm, I'm reminiscing. I just saw one inning of one run. So I, my, I, I'm, we we're, we're so fresh recording that I'm forgetting what else happened, right. but right. I don't even you know. remember who my Red Sox X factor was. I know my Rays X factor was Shane Boz. Uh, because I thought that he could establish this series and you just tighten the stranglehold on this thing and Tampa's going to take it in three and, and that'll be that, you know, wipe your hands off. Boz was not good in game two. That's a rookie in the postseason. That's a rookie. It was it, but was it that he wasn't that good or was it just the Red Sox were hitting him? That's the thing. Just, That's where it's hard to figure out. And for some reason, like he, his stuff was good and he was commanding the ball fine. Yeah, just for some reason, I don't want to give any credit to the Red Sox right now. I don't know why. It's it's a it's a knee-jerk reaction. It's subconscious. This is my thing. And I was on the TikTok Live, and everyone's coming into the comments being, you're, you're biased against the Red Sox. You hate them. You hate them. I am a Yankee fan, but I'm not such an anti-Boston guy. These were our thoughts. Are they good defensively? No. They rank towards the bottom. Is their bullpen good? We can all agree it's not that good, guys. Is their starting pitching really that good? I don't think we can say that. Their offense, top five offense, no one was ever saying they weren't. But we just didn't think that with three out of the four holes that they would be able to do this. But you know what? Numbers be damned. 
But here's the thing. When Erod starts a game in the ALCS, are you going to say, wow, I'm riding Eduardo Rodriguez. This guy's on it. Him and his 5.95 ERA at Fenway this year? No. Right? So you go into this game four and you see Erod starting and people are saying, oh, you guys are, are so biased against the Red Sox. I don't think so. I'll take a raised bullpen day over Erod, what I've seen in 2021, anytime. Erod proved us wrong. He proved everybody wrong. And that's why the Red Sox are so dangerous. That's why the Red Sox, if they continue this magic, and you need magic to win a World Series, if they continue to have this magic, they can legitimately win the World Series because magic usurps any number that's on a spreadsheet. It does. I mean, we could be talking in a couple of weeks talking about how the Red Sox made the 2021 World Series. Now, yeah, if the Astros win. They aren't beating the Astros. I'll say it right now. They ain't beating them. I'll, 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 you know what? I'm going right back into it. Ah, shit. I don't know. Oh, now I'm in between. That's our problem. That's our problem. Let's get off this series. Let's get off the Red Sox. Let's talk we'll about the predictions Brewers. later. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about the Brewers and the Braves. The Brewers can't hit. They're, yeah. they're horrible offensively. You what did we bought say? in. You bought into what Aram was selling, right? The Brewer or yeah. the Braves are just better than the Brewers. They're going to win that series. Um, I but remember, was... but remember, I came in and was like, Aram, you are right about the Braves bullpen being actually really good. And you're right about the starting pitching. And then I looked deeper and I said, look at this offense. Not only does Yelich can't hit, he had a 645 OPS in the 30 remaining days of the playoffs. The Brewers as a whole had an OPS under 700. They were in the bottom 10 of offenses. And I was like, okay, the bullpen's there for the Braves. The starting pitching, it may not be as powerful, but it's not that far off. And the offense is clearly better. And they're going to be playing in a hitter's park in Milwaukee. So I was like, you know what? Braves in five. Yeah, damn. I just thought that one guy could propel them on a nightly basis, and the starting pitching was going to be really good. And the starting pitching has been really good. You said the That's unders the hit in each of the first three games. Three and oh, and unders in the first two games, a total of six runs scored combined. This past game, three zero. Nine runs total in three games. In three games. That type of baseball plays to the Brewers' strong point. You just have to bank yes. on them scoring two runs, three runs. They just can't do that. Their runs came from Rowdy Telez in game one. They haven't scored since. And here's what I didn't factor in here. Freddie Peralta was shoving. You know, we talked about shoving. it. We said... Freddie and Ian Anderson is the most intriguing pitching matchup on the slate on Monday, even with Rodon and Arcadi scheduled, because we said these guys could duel through six shutout innings. They were on pace to do so. And then Craig Council had to make the move because their opportunity to score runs came in the fourth inning. You can't knock Craig Council for that because he knows how shitty his offense is. They might yeah. not score again. That was their best opportunity in the fourth. You got to take him out, and you only got four from Freddie Peralta. Or f- fifth. Yeah, you only got four innings from Freddie Peralta. And then and 56 pitches. 56 Fine. pitches. 
And then Adrian Hauser blew it up. Hindsight, of course, is 2020. Bad move by Craig Council, taking out your starter for Adrian Hauser. He blows it, was it the up. Right but, I mean, he they need offense. They got a hit. And they were and their bullpen has been fantastic. So it, it's not like you couldn't trust a guy like Adrian Hauser, who's been one of their a pretty good starter throughout the entire year. And yet also. As we break into our stats, we're talking about this is not one of them, but I was going to add it as an honorable mention, but I kind of want to say it right now. Jorge Soler averaged 423 feet on his home runs this year. Damn. Yeah. Most in baseball. Averaged 423. How about that? How about that? I, I sent a text when Daniel Vogelbach came on to pinch hit for Freddie Peralta. Yeah. I said, how is Daniel Vogelbach's physique in the catalog of options for the genetic pool to create a human being? Like he doesn't. When you texted me that, I just burst out laughing. And I was like, how do we Photoshop his head onto a couch? Because <laughs> right. he literally looks like a couch. There's just no template that looks like Daniel Vogelbach. No, because his arms are bigger than his legs. And like his whole, like his shoulders are bigger than his head. His torso is like short. Like he looks like you, like you, like, like you're blowing up a basketball with one of those air pumps and just like pumped air in like whatever spot you thought like typical male muscles would be in. Daniel Vogelbach is six foot 270. Tonk. Yes. Aaron Judge is 6'7", 280, all muscle. That just goes to show the sheer force of that man. But, like, Vogelback is all muscle, too. And then, like, he's is got... He all muscle? No, Come he's on. got some fat on top of that, but that dude is so strong. He's got so oh, yeah. much muscle. Oh, yeah. He is... I mean, he's a tank engine. Thomas the tank engine, just rolling through. Man, so the Braves have a 2-1 lead. Just looking ahead in that series, I don't see any world that the Brewers can come back from this. I think their offense is just tapped. I do think it might go five. I think, I mean, Burns in game four. Yeah. Probably win that one. It's probably going to go to game five, and it's probably going to be Freed Woodruff. In that game, Eileen Braves. I don't think this series is over, though. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. If the Braves Braves close it out, but I'm certainly not predicting that it's over after game four. Yeah, you find it weird that in game three, the only scoring in that game came on one swing. Jock Peterson, by the way, that guy. October. He's an October baseball player. He's a badass. I mean, the pearl necklace, like saying, I just like it. I mean, dude, like when he when the lights turn on, he's a better player. I mean, exhibit A of that, really, though. I mean, Randy, a Rosarina. I know they got eliminated, but how about backing up your 2020 postseason with another fantastic one? I got a crazy stat about Randy Rosarina coming up later. I'm in. I'm in. Also, can we talk Ian Anderson for a second? Yeah. Because I was getting flack in the group chat for me not thinking that he's a bona fide two and has the ability to be an ace. Like, I love everything about this guy. My only problem was one nine. Oh, this is not the problem. I said it before I meant it. One nine five ERA in, in 2020 as a rookie, then as a beast in the playoffs, three five eight ERA this year. His, his advanced numbers indicate that, you know, a little bit. I mean, he's got an ERA or FIP in the, in the low fours. He walked a lot of dudes, didn't strike out a ton of guys, but he has real stuff. And from what I was seeing, 
he was commanding the ball very well. He's only 23. Give the man a second. Here you go. Kyle Glazer from Baseball America. Ian Anderson's first five career playoff starts. Ian Anderson is 3-0 with a 0.76 ERA, 23 and two-third innings, 14 hits, two earned runs, 30 punch-outs. What kind of an idiot do you have to be to call him a three? Middle of the rotation starter. Kyle Gibson's the middle of the rotation starter, not Ian Anderson. Dude, Ian Anderson's the four with a totally healthy Braves staff. I mean, think about that. Is he? Yeah, because you've got Morton, you've got Freed, who I would take over Ian Anderson still. I would too. And a a healthy Mike Soroka, I'm taking a healthy Soroka until proven otherwise. I don't know if I'm taking a healthy Soroka even now. I mean, Soroka is phenomenal. I'm not not saying I don't like Soroka. I I really do like him. I just love, and that's, again, not a detriment to Mike Soroka, a testament to Ian Anderson of how much I like him. I, I really think that he can be in that echelon with Freed and Morton, no doubt. He had 10 swings and misses on his changeup today, if I read correctly. That changeup's filthy. Changeup's filthy, 94-mile-an-hour fastball, good hook. He's yeah. got it, man. He's 23. Yeah. Shout out when to did Jacob DeGrom become good? 27? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to a mutual friend, Evan Paddock, right? Uh, classmates Absolutely, with him at our boy. Yeah. Um, okay. What else we got to talk about? Oh, it, can you... Uh, allow me to dive into this pitching problem that I have with the White Sox. Yes. Let's start. Let's start with Kopech. Stud. In the sense of you, you like that move. You went to Kopech into it. Had to, had to, had to, if, if you let Kopech sit until it was too late, Chicago would have burned Tony at the stake. Kopech and then was, what though? Kopech was the play after Giolito in game two. Game okay. three, you had everybody. They ran their A team out of the bullpen in game three to get that win. Liam Hendricks came on for a ninth inning when the Sox were up six, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Like, yep. That felt, hey, why'd you do that? Why is Kimbrell coming in for outs too? Yeah. Ew. Why'd you do that? So the White Sox used Kopech, Tapera, Bummer, Kimbrell, and Hendricks. Those are your five best relievers. Yep. You've got Reynaldo Lopez and Garrett Crochet left. At least now they have an off day. The off day really helped them. That's what I was going to say. I immediately called Aram. I'm sorry I didn't call you right away, but I immediately called Aram and said, this is the best possible thing to happen to this team. And he said, I couldn't agree more because you just had your A team go. Now they have a day of rest. So you've got a fresh Hendricks and a fresh Kimbrel with an off day. So they've got no limit. If they got to get five outs, they can get five outs today in game four. You've got Tapera and Bummer available. Bummer looks amazing. Oh, he does. What, look great. I, what I would do if I was Tony, now I'm ignoring that they already named a game four starter. If I was Tony, I'd be doing this. With the shortest leech imaginable, I would put Lance Lynn on the mound at home. I know the Astros hit him well, but it's Lance Lynn at home. Yeah. Two innings. If you get two innings out of him, that's good. And then you've got Bummer, Tepera, 
Kimbrell, Hendricks, all ready to go. Hendricks has said he can go two and a third, two and two thirds. Kimbrell, we know, can get five outs if need be. Do that with your A bullpen and leave the trio of Giolito to start, Rodon out of the pen, and Kopech out of the pen for game five. But that's not what Tony did. To match Lance McCullers, Larusa is still going with Carlos Rodon as the game four starter. Rodon is going to be the quickest yank imaginable if he's not right. He might walk one guy and get pulled. <laughs> Maybe. Because if he's at 91 with his fastball, he's done. You got to yank him immediately. Get if him he's out. 91, 92, you yank him. Um, it's, it's, it's the same thing as Chapman. When Chapman rolls in, rolled his Chapman throw 96, you know the game's over. As if, as if he's blowing it. Yeah. 99, we're having a great inning. Same thing with Rodon. 92, 97. Oh, shit. We got a Cy Young candidate on our hands. Yep. It, it, it's tough, man, because I would have liked to have Kopech ready to extend for game five and Giolito ready to roll for four innings for game five. But you're just not there yet. You need one more day for these guys. So with Rodon, you know, I'm, I don't know. And like, do you turn to Lance Lynn out of the bullpen? This creates so many questions for me where I feel like, and of course I feel like this because, you know, I'm, I'm the armchair quarterback here, but like, of course, I feel that my plan is the better one, but yeah. I think a lot of Chicago would agree that my plan is the better one. I mean, I'm listening to it, agreeing with you that it is the better plan. The thing is with teeing up for the Astros is that their best matchup is a high-octane righty. And when I say high-octane, I mean high-velo, high-velocity right-handers who throw the ball very hard and the White Sox are loaded with those don't throw Dallas Keuchel but like don't just like Rodon could actually if he's 97 if he's if he's thrown right he could actually be the guy to limit those Houston bats they keep seeing the same Kopecks and the Lins and the Giolitos and the Hendricks and the Kimbrels and the Taperas it's all the just 95 high octane, high spin fastballs from the right side. It's like they're getting used to it. Maybe Rodon in a game four off a rest day with a rested bullpen actually do win. But you got to face Lance McCullers Jr. If you're Dusty Baker, are you sleeping soundly knowing that you have McCullers on the mound in Chicago in game four? Or would there you prefer to have him there one, game five? There is not one night where any manager is having a good night's sleep. I don't care who it is. I think Kevin Cash was in his bed last night thinking, Eduardo Rodriguez, you know, we can beat him. No, I'm running out Colin McHugh. (laughs) Let's go. We were. That's why we were wrong. We were in our bed last night being like, oh, fuck it, Ebron. No way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's exactly what I did. I said, you know what? Regardless of who they run out, they could run Colin McHugh out there. And you know what? They fucking did. And they well, lost. Well, Colin actually pitched pretty well, but Shane McClanahan. Dude, JP Fireisen sucked. He was not <laughs> demanding 92. He looked like he had the yips. Looked like it to me. Man. JP Fireisen came from the Brewers, now with the Rays, first limelight. I'm not saying, I mean, that's so rude to say he had the yips because it could have just been anything. 
Right. But that's, it felt like that. It looked like a guy who was nervous. Could be wrong. Yeah. Probably am. But that's what it looked like to me. Yeah. Not the severity of the yips, but he looked nervous. He really did look yeah. nervous. Um, but you like the play of McCullers game four and not game five? The Astros, does, is that telling of something? That they, I don't know. You don't think it's telling of anything? I don't know. Because it is interesting. Because they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to do it. They could have held McCullers to game five, but who? Arkady starts game four. Maybe they're thinking if they lose game four, then they'll have all hands happen. on deck game five. Anything can happen. That must be it. They must say, we got to win this now. Man. Because the Red Sox just won now. So yeah. the Red Sox will have another day of rest. Maybe they're like, let's win it now. And we'll see if that works. Rodon, yeah. it's it's all about that radar gun. It is. As, as simplistic as it sounds. I mean, you know that. Giants took the lead one nothing. We're halfway home. Bottom of the fifth. Evan Longoria solo shot off Max Scherzer. Come on, plus one eighty five. Suck it, haters. Alex, come Wood. on. <laughs> Alex Wood, four innings, one hit, no runs, three punches, two walks. I guess didn't... what splits got his back. Dodgers suck against lefties, even though they're good off Alex Wood. Their whole life, Dodger fans, I know you know this because this is what I'm told by Dodger fans. We can't hit lefties. We hit those high-octane righties, similar to the Astros, because a lot of those high-octane righties are in the ball game. Dodgers struggle off those poo-slinging lefties. Slightly, slightly, slightly. I thought the Giants had a chance at plus 185. First of all, gambling 101. You ever see a deciding game like that with a 107-win team? It's not necessarily going to win. But you get that kind of value, take it. Take it blindly. Not yeah. gambling advice, though. <laughs> Not gambling advice. Uh, Scherzer has nine strikeouts through five. Like, we knew this guy I mean, was going to perform. Was, yeah. Yeah. He, one swing changes the complexion of these types of games. It's cool. That's how it goes in the playoffs. That's what postseason baseball is, man. Um, Should we talk top 10 stats? Yeah, let's do it. it. Before we get into that, do you have any thoughts moving forward on Giants-Dodgers? I I don't I'm watching dude I'm watching as horrible as it sounds this is the one series where I'm watching as a fan yeah me too I don't know what to take away like it's it's the two best teams rivals like anything can happen throw everything out the window and it's all on the line it's all in between the lines it's all in the diamond it's just so goddamn exciting it's like I want to write notes, but I'm like, no, like I can't keep my eyes off the TV. Yeah, no, I'm I'm picking out these little things that just are infuriating in all the other series, right? I'm I'm dialing in on teams' flaws, and then mm-hmm. I look at the Giants and the Dodgers, and I'm like, I don't see any flaw right now. This I'm is just, just the World it. Series, basically. It is. Right? It should be. It should be. I I mean. The Rays, I had the Rays winning it. <laughs> God, <laughs> I'm talking about all my right takes just for my actual World Series take to just lose in the ALDS. Right, that's fine. I, I've got the White Sox winning. Arm's got the White Sox <laughs> winning, so that's that. Uh, yeah, let's dive into top 10 stats. We'll go, I've got mine, like I've got five kind of standard stats and five more advanced stats. You have that too? 
I mixed it all in. I don't know if I have five and five, but I have some like, you know, traditional counting stats and then some advanced stats, but no, nothing too advanced. Did you rank them? No, just put them how I liked them. I guess I ranked them how I liked them. All right, well, we'll go back and forth. I'll start with pitching, then you do hitting, and we'll go cool. stat by stat. Cool? Cool. My first pitching stat that I want to bring to the table is that Julio Arias is the first 20-game winner since 2016. That matters. It matters. I <laughs> Like, it doesn't matter that much. It really doesn't matter yeah. that much because, like, I'm scrolling through win leaders uh, on a yearly basis, and, you know, I'm looking at some of these names, and I'm like, how the hell did you end up on that list? Yeah. Uh, but Julio Urias winning 20 games tells me that A, Urias was really good, and B, the Dodgers were really good. That's all I got to know when Julio Urias takes them out. When he throws, the Dodgers, I mean, they just score runs for him, bro. Yeah. He, like, you go through his game log, and it's 8-1, 7-1, 7-2, 6-3. Not only is he pitching well, but... The Dodgers show up for him. I mean, think about this. In his start, which game did they beat the Giants on? They might lose the other two games with Max Scherzer and Walker Bueller. He's also <laughs> he's also a really good hitter. <laughs> he's a good hitter. <laughs> I, I got a DM saying that is Julio Arias a better hitter than Cody Bellinger right now? <laughs> I think so. But Cody Bellinger's having a great series, though. He is, yeah. Postseason belly. So here's my first stat. Omar Nervaez is the, I'm ready to say this. Omar Nervaez is the best pitch framer in all of baseball. He led all of catchers in runs, extra strikes in 2020. And then he did it again in 2021. Omar Nervaez is the best pitch framer in baseball. The catcher for the Brewers. And Sal Perez is the worst. Yeah. And by a lot, not by, you know, just slightly down there. Negative 10 is second to last. He's negative 18. Omar Nervais is at 10 runs, extra strikes. Jonah Heim is two at eight. Sal Perez is bad there, man. But Narvaez, I, I love the way Narvaez handles that pitching staff. That pitching staff makes it easy for him because they're really good. Top to bottom, to that's as talented a, a pitching roster as Major League Baseball has. And Narvaez is the perfect guy to be catching it. How many backdoor cutters do you think Narvaez has made strikes that were balls from Burns? Oh, my God. Probably the most in the history of the world. Yeah, like that's the one pitch that jumps out to me (laughs) in that regard, right? He probably got so many extra just from pulling it in at the last second every time. Dude, like that, the backdoor cutter is the framing pitch. Narvaez probably saw that and was like, this is my time to shine. (laughs) And then Brandon Woodruff and Freddie, you know, I mean – and we're going down the line. I mean, Eric Lauer, Adrian Hauser, Aaron Ashby, like they just keep going with the pitching. Yeah. My second pitching stat, four pitchers through 200 innings this year. Walker Bueller, Zach Wheeler, Adam Wainwright, Sandy Alcantara. There were 32 pitchers that threw 200 innings in 2015. That's not long ago. 32 pitchers logged 200 innings plus in 2015. Four did it in 2021. Stop drinking my water. I did not know that. 32. And now it's four. Four? 2015. 
I mean, that's 2021 for you. Nobody's healthy this whole year. Nobody's healthy. It's off of a 60-game season, but 2019 wasn't too much better. There was that crazy drop-off. I think they were at 12 in 2019. From 32, four years prior? It's an incredible drop-off. As soon as you said that number, I mean, you saw me. I just put my cup down. I was like, wait a minute. Are you sure that's correct? Yep. That's nuts. All right. My second stat, let's give a little bit more credit to Salvador Perez. Salvador Perez and and Marcus Semien both set the record for home runs at their position this year. That matters. When is the last time that you've seen two position players set home run records at their position in the same season? I know we know, you may have known that they did it, but the likelihood of 150 years of baseball that two players in the same season at two different positions set the record for home runs. At maybe the two most power-starved positions in baseball, second base and catcher. Exactly. Who who was the last true power threat that played second base? Jeff Kent? That's a good one. I mean, Cano. Cano was a real power. Robbie Cano. Yeah. Okay. Cano. I was going to say Dan Agla, but he wasn't good enough, <laughs> but he had some years that that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Dan Agla is a good answer. I, I'd say Cano is the most recent good one. And then does Alfonso Soriano count as the second baseman? No, he yeah. did his power hitting as a corner outfielder. Uh, yeah, true. How about catchers? I mean, who's the last mega power catcher you remember? Gary, that one year Piazza <laughs> Mike Piazza. Yeah. <laughs> like Piazza, I think. What the hell? <laughs> like, I mean, that was the record very, he broke. Those are very weak positions, power-wise. Oh yeah, and they did it. So I guess it's not the craziest, but I, I mean, when's the last time two players, two different positions, set the record for home runs? I think it's kind of crazy, and no, I no. like it. I like home runs. So yeah, Jason Stark could tell you the answer to that. I'm not going to tell you the answer to that. Yeah, I don't know. As a league, pitchers averaged 8.9 strikeouts per nine innings. It's the same clip as 2019 to share the title of the highest rate in the sport's history. Only time that clip exceeded a strikeout per inning was in the COVID-shortened 2020 season. So we are closer than ever before to a strikeout per inning from major league pitchers. Wow. Game's changed. Yeah. Home runs, strikeouts, walks. A lot. I mean, you're going to hear a lot of those stats within these top 10 because we feel like it's painting a picture of how the season went. Yep. And just to talk more about home runs, how about a power surge from a guy who we never thought it would come back again? Joey Votto hit 36 home runs this year. He hit 37 home runs from 2018 to the end of 2020 COVID shortened season. I get it. So two and a half years of production into one season. I thought that was kind of crazy. <laughs> That's totally crazy. Joey Votto, for some reason tapped into this power and he said it was a mental switch for him. It yeah, wasn't necessarily physical because he's always looked like that. But it was that mental approach of saying, I'm okay swinging and missing a little bit more. I'm going to get a lot more power in my game. And he did it perfectly. 
I mean, he almost proves he's 40 jacks. Does that prove he's a Hall of Famer? He's got to be close. I mean, one of the best pure hitters of our, our generation. Yeah. Will he get in with – does he – I hate that I don't know this. I should know this. Does he have an MVP? I think he's got an MVP. I should know this too. Doesn't he have one? Why do I think that he does? I'll tell you after I rip off this stat here. Okay. Mark Melanson led the league in saves. That's it. That's my stat. I was not expecting that. That was under 500. I I just wasn't expecting Mark Melanson to lead the league in saves. In 2021. (laughs) You said that you're like, I just don't, I I don't, I, I, I mean, I didn't call it either. I mean, shit, I, I thought Liam Hendricks was going to do it easy. After that, I thought, you know, Diego Castillo had a shot. I thought Alex Colome had a shot because I thought the Twins were going to win a bunch of games. Like, not once did I think that. <laughs> so an aging Mark Melanson coming over to the Padres didn't immediately make you think no. league leader in saves? No. Joey Votto won an MVP in 2010. He finished as the runner-up in 2017, and he finished in third in 2015. So he's got three top three finishes and an MVP. How many hits career? Was he two-something? 2027. He's got 330 home runs. He's a member of the 1000 RBI Club, and he is a career 300 hitter with a career 937 OPS. If he does a couple more years, he's in. Yeah. I he's got to do this again. Yeah. Like if he just falls back into oblivion of 11 home runs a year, I mean, what do we do? Right. I'd say no. I'd say no too. So how about my stat? Juan Soto swung at just 35% of pitches this year. That's the lowest swing rate since 2017 with at least 600 plate appearances. The guy swung... 35% of the time and hit 29 bombs and hit over 300 with a WRC plus north of 160. He, he was, whenever he did swing, like the plate discipline of a 22-year-old, the plate discipline of a 22-year-old that you have the lowest swing percentage in baseball yet do some of the most damage. He how can you already be the most disciplined, Juan Soto? How? He's Ted Williams. Are we like dicks for saying that? Like, if no, if, if like, because if I was, I mean, I feel like if I told my dad that Juan Soto is Ted Williams, he'd be like, you don't know what you're talking about. You didn't see, like, you don't know really what Ted Williams was. I don't know. Has your dad don't watched know. Juan Soto? Yeah. Right? He's 22. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I just feel like immediately calling him Ted Williams for a 22-year-old is a bit much. Okay. So look at... look at. But I've, I've done it before. Look at your computer, though, right? Like, look at the spreadsheets. Look at the numbers. Look at all that stuff. It says Juan Soto at this point is comparable to trending in the way that Ted Williams finished. And then you watch him with your eyes and you say, this guy's the best hitter I've ever seen in my entire life. And he's 22 years old. Not only the best, the most fun in the box to watch. 
the Soto shuffle, the grabbing of the cup and just staring down the eyes of the opposing pitcher. This kid was doing it at 20. He's doing it at 22. He's going to do it at 40. He's electric. And I love him. Staying in the mid Atlantic, but as bad as you could possibly get. You just hit us with Juan Soto being really good. This is really bad. The Orioles had a 5.84 ERA as a staff. That's 73 points higher than the next highest team. And that is the largest difference between any two teams, one through 30. So the difference from 29 to 30 is a bigger drop-off than 16 to 17 or anywhere else. The Orioles are so far and away the absolute worst as a pitching staff. Is that just rotation? That's pitching. Pitching staff. Because my next question was going to be, um, go to the bullpen ERA leaders and look how much worse the Orioles bullpen is than the second worst. The last time I checked, I think it was five, seven, nine for the Orioles and like five, two, four for the D backs. I think it was a full half run worse than the second worst, which is an incredible amount. If we're talking ERA for a bullpen. You rip off your stat and I'll, I'll give you a, uh, an answer. From actually, I want to go back. I was going to skip over the Juan Soto one to come back to it, but let's just keep on the Juan Soto train. No player has had a higher walk rate since 2005 than Juan Soto's 22.2% walk rate in 2021. The dude was walking almost a quarter of the time. I cannot believe it. That's all I got. I can't believe what he's doing. I can't believe what he's doing either. I've got your answer for you, by the way. Orioles at 5.70, Nats at 5.08. The Orioles, Nats, and D-backs were the only three teams in baseball with a bullpen ERA over five. Giants, Dodgers, Rays were the three best bullpens in terms of ERA. That shows you literally good and bad. So the three best teams in baseball at the end of the regular season had the three best bullpen ERAs. You could argue that the three worst teams in baseball had the three worst bullpen ERAs. Do you know how many games this year I have won betting against the Orioles and that bullpen? Do you know how many times Cesar Valdez has come in with his 84 mile an hour changeup and just blown it? Every single game. It could be down. Like, I remember so clearly, July, summer, White Sox, Orioles. Orioles are up 6-2 going into the eighth. The White Sox covered the spread. They covered the spread. Orioles bullpen, not good. (laughs) My first advanced stat that I want to throw at you. These are the top six qualified pitchers in baseball in limiting line drives, lowest line drive percentage among quality or among qualified pitchers. Garrett Cole, Lance McCullers, Hugh Darvish, Max Scherzer, Robbie Ray, and Julio Urias. The bottom six in allowing line drives. Brandon Woodruff, Lucas Giolito, Cole Irvin, Wade Miley, Zach Granke. 
Although we obsess over strikeouts, the best tool in a pitcher's kit should be limiting line drives and hard contact. And there are some outliers there. You know, you've got Woodruff and Giolito with very high line drive rates against. But Cole Irvin and Wade Miley compared to Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer and Robbie Ray don't allow line drives. Goes to show you, don't always need high-octane stuff. Pitchability is the most important part of baseball. Most important part of pitching. Do you know how to pitch? Are you a thrower versus a pitcher? That question is asked a lot, moving up the ranks from Little League to high school to college to the minors to the majors. Are you a pitcher or are you a thrower? Throwers get drafted. Pitchers break into the show. Bang. All right, yeah, let's move on to some advanced stats. These aren't that advanced, but, you know, a little bit more advanced. Let's start with my Yankees. From June 1st on, Brett Gardner was fourth on the Yankees in WRC Plus with a minimum of 200 at-bats. You want to run Brett Gardner out of town, but look back. He was the fourth best hitter on the Yankees for most of the season. What else do you want me to say? Nothing. I'm good. (laughs) Just say your goddamn stat. He's just not sexy. Let's talk pitch (laughs) values. Best fastballs, hardest fastballs are two very different things. Absolutely. Let's look at the value of fastballs on fan graphs using standardized runs allowed by pitch. So the most valuable fastballs in terms of runs in Major League Baseball. Number one, Max Scherzer, hard. Number two, Walker Bueller, hard. Dodgers. Number three, Brandon Woodruff, hard. Hard. Number four, Zach Wheeler, very hard. Fast as shit. Number five, Anthony DiSclafani, who's 94. Number six, Adam Wainwright, 89 miles an hour. Throwing a fastball really hard is the easier way to have success. But if you have mastery of a low velocity fastball and you can pump it up and inside on these guys, it can still be a top 10 fastball in baseball. He's throwing 91 mile an hour fastballs at the hip and it's bending back in from lefties. It's tailing away from lefties. If you throw on the outside corner and they're just flailing at it, it's moving into right handers, just fists off. Seems like they're late. No, it's just moving like nobody's business. 89 is the sixth most valuable fastball in baseball. Isn't that if you don't throw 90, let's say you're a high school pitcher right now that's throwing 89. I mean, if you're throwing 89 in high school, you got a pretty bright future ahead of you. But let's say you're throwing 84 and you're looking for you're looking for offers. There is a path. Do not believe that it's just velo. There is a path. That's all I got to say. Yep. This one is just, I just laughed when I saw this one. Rymel Tapia's 67.4% ground ball rate is the highest ground ball rate since 2005 with at least 500 at-bats. We, we made fun of Eric Hosmer all year, but it was really Rymel Tapia just hammering two-thirds of every ball he hits straight into the ground. Oh, that's kind of funny. 
It is very funny. Highest since 2005. I was looking at Rymel Tapia too. I was just like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> you know, we talk about we talk about Eric Hosmer and those types of guys just like drilling the ball into the ground, but yeah. there's somebody that does it way more than anybody else. Rymel Tapia. Let's stay on ground balls. I've got one referring right. to ground balls. You ready? Seven pitchers in Major League Baseball had a negative average launch angle against them, meaning that they were the seven best ground ball pitchers in the sport. Two starters. Can you name the two starters? Oh, ground ball rate. Um, I mean, it could be anybody. Just, just tell me. They're postseason starters. One of them I mean, just got, shoved. Gosman. Logan Webb. Logan Webb. I'm duh. Duh, Peter. Peter. Slider. Other is Framber Valdez. Oh. Yep. And oh. then the five relievers. Aaron Bummer led the way. Clay Holmes was second. Richard Blyer of the Marlins was third. Shout out Arm. <laughs> Shout out Arm. Mark fucking Melanson fourth. <laughs> what a beast. And then Emmanuel Classe and his 101 mile an hour cutter averaged a negative launch angle against him. Think about how many times it was like negative 45 degrees when someone just sawed it right off the handle of the bat and it went straight down to the catcher. Like I bet he had so many of those that helped him out. Yeah, dude. I mean, he obviously produced a lot of ground balls, but we're talking about negative launch angles, like in the absolute, I feel like a sawed off grounder straight into the ground. It's probably going to help your launch angle there. Absolutely. So let's talk Randy Rosarena, Mr. October. Pitchers were scared of him going into this year, and it was obvious. No player has seen less fastballs in a season since 2015 than a Randy Arozarena in 2021. He only saw 41% fastballs. They were scared of the man, and he proved it in October. It's Dr. October to you. Dr. October, I like it. He's so good, dude. I mean, we were on him a lot because we were like, oh, why should he win rookie of the year? Why should, we, should he win rookie of the year? He's He's been in the league, it seems like, for five years. But And while we were doing that, we didn't give him the credit that he deserves. He's a fantastic player, and he's going to be a really good player for a really long time. He is. He's also a freak athlete. Like, he's strong. He's fast. Absolutely. So much fun to watch. All right. Next one's trivia here. Okay. There were 12 players who registered a knuckleball thrown in a game this year. Oh, that is crazy. Uh... How many do you think were true pitchers? Oh, and you said 12? There were 12 players that threw a knuckleball. Six pitchers, six position players. One pitcher. No way. 11 position players dicking around and one pitcher. 33-year-old Mickey Janice threw in one game for the Baltimore Orioles. It was the only major league appearance of his career. His final line, oh, no. three and a third innings, eight hits, seven earned runs, one strikeout, four walks, three home runs surrendered. What did he even do? Did he even show up? I don't know. 
the only knuckleballer we have in Major League Baseball right now. Let's talk another Tampa Bay Ray that is also young, younger than Randy, and is going to end up to be a Hall of Famer. Over his last 180 plate appearances, Wander Franco has a 6% strikeout rate. Six. And a 149 WRC+. Victor Martinez and Jose Reyes are the only players to have less than a 7% strikeout rate and more than a 140 WRC plus in that many at-bats. Wander is, um, okay, all right. I'm going to say this on the podcast now because I really do want to say it. I just want to talk about it. Yeah. I think Wander Franco will be the second best shortstop by next year. Uh, Behind Tatis? By next year, behind Tatis. And I think he will eventually become a better player than Fernando Tatis Jr. He's going to strike out a lot less than Tatis. He's going to play better better defense. defense. Yeah. Tatis is going to hit 45 home runs, something Wander can't do. Wander's not going to do it. But Wander can hit 30. Yeah, but 315. And Tatis is going to steal more bases. Yeah. What do you value? Do you value the much better defender who hits – I mean, Wander could hit 320, 330. He's going to win batting titles. If he hits 30 home runs – then you're kind of like, is Tatis really the better shortstop? You start splitting hairs there. You really, you do. You start splitting hairs because you're like, okay, you got one guy who's 290 with 45 jacks and 30 stolen bases. Right. And the other guy's 300 with 30 bobs. And I would love it's, it's one like, of Whatever, them. I don't care. You know, I'll take either. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I... that's just how highly I think of this guy. Wow. So who's on the outside looking in there? Correa? Ray Turner. Correa. Ray Turner. Xander, Xander, Story, I guess you could say. Tim if Anderson. You move Semyon back to short. I don't know. You got to put him in somewhere. Damn. Yeah. Because then you start, then you start kind of pulling back layers of some guys. Because then you look at Xander Bogarts and you're like, well, Wander could be a better defender. Look at Trey Turner. I mean, Trey Turner's such a dog, but then Trey Turner's moving to second. Does he stay right. at second? I don't know. Is There's a lot of moving pieces there, like Wander Franco or Boba Shet. Wander. Okay. And it's that obvious to you. And Bobachet's a top 10 shortstop. Yeah. There you go. Going forward now, I I think the only guy that I would take over Wander is Tatis. Exactly. And I'm just I'm I'm getting on it early. Yeah. It was funny. I was talking about that during the live, and people were like, I think Wander's now overrated. And I thought that was a hilarious take because I was like, actually, you know what? You're right. For all of us just hurrying up to pile on the water trade is is actually making him overrated. Yeah, I think so. This is my last note. Velocity is tightening its stranglehold on modern pitching. Average fastball velocity is up about a tick over the past five years, but you can see it best within new pitchers and team identity. What I mean by new pitchers, rookies and minor leaguers are throwing harder than ever. Let's take Hunter Green, for example. His double-A debut this year with Chattanooga, Early May, May 6th, he threw 71 pitches, 43 were fastballs. 37 of his 43 fastballs were over 100 miles an hour. That's velocity. And I understand he is the king of velocity in minor league baseball, but that's what everybody wants to be. Now team identity. The White Sox constructed their pitching staff to deliver constant velocity. As a team, 
they threw over 6,600 pitches north of 95 miles an hour. That's 1,500 more than any other team. And the top velocity staff in 2020, the Tampa Bay Rays. So if you adopt this team-wide approach of shoving hard fastballs, you're going to be successful now. But they're playing the Astros. But is that a bad matchup? You know what I'm saying? That might just be a bad matchup for the White Sox. I think it is. You drew the best fastball hitting team in baseball. Exactly. So it's not, you're saying that, that it, you'll have success. And I think you're right. I just think when you're talking about the White Sox and the Astros, when we're talking about it right now, that doesn't look good, but over a much larger sample size, it's obvious that it's working. They won 95 games. Yeah. I mean, they were in a bad division, but I won't pile on your White Sox. Yeah. Don't do that. They're a really good team. My last one is, is the craziest one. I think. Not only did Aaron Judge have the highest hard hit rate in the stat cast era, that's since 2015, at 57.9%, but five other players finished above 2017 Aaron Judge who held the record. Those five players were Salvador Perez, Fernando Tatis Jr., Giancarlo Stanton, Miguel Sano, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., So that means six of the top in hard hit rate since the StatCast era began in 2015. 2021 owns six of the top six. Is that not kind of nuts? This game is just different than anything we've ever experienced within it. Yeah, six. All the top six. That's nutty. Miguel Sano. What the hell is he doing in there? Out here raking. God. Remember, hard hit rate. So it's all the balls you hit. Miguel Sano strikes out a lot, but all the balls he's hitting, he's raking them. Yeah. No, you can strike out a billion times. It doesn't matter. That's the thing about some of these stats. It's like you got a little more context in the middle of them. (laughs) Man. Yeah, this was fun. This was a good rundown of those stats. Before we go, yeah. we haven't checked the Giants-Dodgers score in a while. We got fired up. Oh, shit. 1-0 Giants, plus 185. Not gambling advice. Come on. Top seven. Three hits apiece. Top seven. Man. Tyler Rogers, four outs. Scherzer through six and a third, still has nine punch outs. Yeah, he's, they're not pulling him. He's <laughs> at Peter Apple 23 on Twitter. I'm at Jack underscore McMullen 11 on Twitter at just BB media on Twitter at just baseball fans on TikTok and Instagram. Uh, find us on YouTube at just baseball. We've also got a discord at just baseball twitch.tv slash just baseball fans. Uh, check out the brand new just baseball shirt at pillbox Batco. You can find the link to that in this episode description. You can also find the uh, just baseball collection at breaking tea. In our episode description, what else? You're becoming Magic Johnson on the break. Hey, five-star review, forgot. Bang. You're becoming Magic Johnson on the break, just dishing passes. Like, hey, Kareem, you want one worthy? You want one? Bang, bang, bang. Left and right. I'm flying to New York this morning. See you soon. Thank you, everybody.